Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the formerly Only Fools and Horses rewatch podcast that is now a general British comedy rewatch podcast. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> We're still working on the format. Yeah, we are fully winging this. Um, so yeah, the, the backstory sort of post uh, Only Fools and Horses, we were dabbling in loads of ideas about what we want to do for a podcast, but we were really sort of struggling with the episodic idea that we'd already been in. I think we we wanted to have a bit more creative control or, or to make it a bit more casual, I guess, like not go th- through things like chronologically and uh, and not have to go too heavy on that sort of uh that sort of timeline so we came up with some some new ideas yeah i think we just wanted to play around a bit more and have like you say the freedom to do different things so as as we've mentioned in the last episode we previously put out we are starting this time with green green grass however rather than just doing episode by episode which really limits the amount of things we can talk about and also you've kind of got to watch a lot before you really build up a big picture and we kind of just wanted to figure it out really in in one big chunk we wanted to watch a load of it and really then come forward with more of a a fully formed idea of what the show is and what we thought of it um, so this time we've watched the entire first series, the first six episodes. Uh, we've not included the Christmas special, which is a, a 45 minute special, just the first six uh, standard half hour episodes. And we're kind of just going to gonna freeform it, probably jump around a bit, talk about certain characters and how they evolve throughout the show and how certain storylines evolve throughout the show. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, and maybe not worry so much about specific plot details and like you say timeline and we're going to see how it goes and then at the end of it we can discuss if we're going to watch more of this or something else and what we're going to do nice we are largely just going to wing it and make our way through it is going to be a bit more of some casual conversations and we'll just see we're just looking to have a bit of fun and and uh and decide what what we like and what we don't like and give you some information and hopefully some some tips or recommendations on what to watch and what not to watch and all that sort of stuff yeah we'll try and announce beforehand what we've watched and how much so if you're someone who likes to watch it first for full context then you can do that and there may be other times where maybe you'll wait till afterwards and we can let you go do you know what don't don't bother with that it's not what it's not worth your time it was not worth ours but that that would have been time spent already so for those of you who have hung around, who did subscribe, who have somehow wanted to hear more of the Brotherly Forces, we thank you and welcome to the new format. We have invested in um, a, a couple of new microphones, new new microphones, just to make things a bit uh, easier to work with and hopefully add even more production value. And yeah, we, we, we're now quite excited by the new project and I think we needed that sort of shake up to to come up with an idea we're still looking at sort of monthly episodes around that area so we're just going to be uh doing it as and when we can consume something good enough to then talk about so keep your eye on on the updates one thing i really enjoyed about this was watching something that i knew we were going to analyze later but not feeling the need to take such detailed notes and more just enjoying it there wasn't I mean, I took a comically small amount of notes, really, and that was really nice because I did. It did just feel like I was just watching something like a normal consumer, as opposed in such an analytical sense. So we always kind of said that we were discussing things like two people who would be sitting around a water cooler, the proverbial type thing. But to be honest, we obviously went into crazy detail. Where I think this will be more like that. We won't necessarily remember every detail. We're fulfilling our original promise, 75 episodes in or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's the spirit. Um, Well, uh, I haven't gone as far to actually decide what we're doing for different drops and music and other production stuff. So that will be uh, just, again, up to me to decide how this is going to take shape. I'm sure there'll be a few teething things going on as we sort of refind our feet for the format but uh, i think we should probably get into the 
into the chat, would reckon. Let's do it. So it's Green Green Grass, Series 1. I'm getting tired of the city, all the noise and the mess. Want a new beginning and a new address. Why don't we run away to somewhere where the birds still sing? All right, so... um. I guess we have, we we have sort of brought this up in in previous episodes. I, I haven't done much research into the episodes itself or some of the trivia of the series, but we do know it was placed in between uh, the end of Only Fools and Horses and Rock and Chips, which we already covered. It was obviously the preferred project for John Sullivan at the time. Is written by John Sullivan, and certainly this first series, I think, has got the same um, producer. Um, is it Gwyneth Gwendolyn? I can never remember his name very well, but I just saw it came up on the the last of the the episodes that I just watched there, and happened to notice it. So, did he definitely write the entire first series himself alone, John Sullivan? I think so. I think it's okay. uh, all written by him exclusively. Okay, I, I kind of got the impression that maybe he would. He was always a bit of a side writer or maybe like kind of half wrote the uh, the show, but that, that didn't, may didn't, well be didn't true. Didn't his kid help write some of it with him, but I didn't know if that was all of it or the latter part. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not sure either. See, we've gone so casual this time. We've done no, <laughs> we've done no research on it whatsoever. There's nothing. I knew I meant to do something. <laughs> oh, let's come back and do it tomorrow. <laughs> So uh, let's 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 skip past the trivia because we've clearly done nothing about it, and and just get into uh, first impressions. I guess that's kind of where you start. We start in London. We're at we're at Boyce Manor. Loads of money and stuff going away around. We find out Tyler is a lot older. He's what sixteen years old now. Did you instantly recognise who Tyler was or did you have to look it up? Yeah, no, I, I did recognise him straight away. Um, well, I, I recognised him, I recognised one of his characters and the other one I found after I looked him up. So uh, did you recognise him from Peep Show? Yeah, 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 that's Show. what I knew it from. I didn't know if you'd get it straight away or not or if you'd have to think. Yeah, that one I got straight away. However, I looked it up and he was also in um, Cemetery Junction, the Ricky Gervais film. I did uh, see that, I but he's he's got a different look in that, so I didn't recognise him from that. Um, but T- Tyler is the the actor, uh, the character at least. He's the exact same age I am, or at least he was at the time. So he was born the same year. So I was the age Tyler is when this was made. Is any of that making sense? <laughs> but how, and how old is the actor? Uh, the actor's the same age as well. Me, the actor, and Tyler oh, right. are all of the same well, Ty- age. The actor is actually 16 at this time. Uh, yeah, I believe he was. I think he was born in 1989, and he was meant to be leaving school at, in that year. No and it was all around the same the same time. Uh, yeah, it was 2005, which is when I... Um, well, yeah, 2005, 2006 is when I left, uh, left school. So Tyler, for me... And the, the initial impressions for Tyler, he is playing, it felt like he was playing a stupid kid, basically. Um, he trolls around a skateboard everywhere, which looks kind of out of character for his build and what he yeah. is. He's a bit of a skater kid that looks nothing like a skater kid. He's definitely not a skater kid. They've got a kid, they've given him some skater shoes, and a, an ill-fitting t-shirt and a skateboard and gone, you're a skater. Yeah, and apart from his potential stupidity, not not a lot really goes along with that. Um, but his character did change, and sort of going across the timeline, I'm unconscious of not trying to go straight to the end, because one of the things watching it in this way was that the most of the interest for me was the difference between the start and the end and how I felt about it. But it kind of is a bit weird to go straight to the end, but him, like all the characters, but certainly Tyler, I felt had uh, quite a transition of of character from the start to the end. But I don't know if that if you noticed that. Yeah, no, definitely, I thought so. I mean, one thing I really liked about the Tyler at the start was, unlike with um, Damien in the uh, the Only Fools and Horses reprise, they didn't give him nearly as much to do. And he's older, so it didn't feel so like giving a line to a kid in the local pantomime. Like, mm. he it, it was a bit naff, like lame in those first couple of scenes. But 
I actually really liked most of what he had to do in the first episode and in the first couple of episodes as he's playing that kind of miserable teenager, which is kind of feels like could have only been a couple of years older version of Damien. And that was my initial concern. It was just going to be the same character a couple of years older, which would have been terrible. Uh, but it was it, much more interesting. I feel like they'd learned from that. He was used much better. He made little jokes that I think were maybe good for teenagers at the time, but they didn't overdo it. Yeah, he, he wasn't given too much to do. I think the acting felt a little bit awkward and a little bit hammy, but it was all right. I, I definitely made some sort of initial comparison to Damien and being like, I'm glad he's not a Damien. Like it, it just it was yeah. just like not instantly going to hate this guy and maybe it might go somewhere. So that was good. Yeah, I guess by making him a scout uh, a scouter. I guess by making him a skater rather than uh whatever Damien is. Uh you straight away get away from Rude Boy. Yeah, Rude Boy, there we go. Then you straight away get away from some of those cliches and it makes you do something a little bit different. Uh, so that was good. I mean, there was definitely one of the things I struggled with most in the first 10 minutes and the whole the whole first episode, there was some adjustment that you needed doing. The whole thing feels kind of different and it took me ages to figure out what it was. Pretty much not until the end did I really figure it out. But there was definitely, it seemed like a lot more laughing in the opening, like, Open like ten minutes, and I was like, oh, "None of this is that funny yet." Come on, guys, it better not, better not carry on like yeah. this, or we're going to struggle. I don't want to be a broken record, but you know my sensitivities to laughter tracks, mm. and I don't know, it's so unnecessary. Like, okay, so the show, the show, on the whole, has funny moments. There are moments where, if you like only fools and horses, you're going to laugh, and you're probably going to laugh audibly. I didn't fall off my chair at any point, but there are some genuinely good jokes. It's John Sullivan that lands quite well. There are a lot of very subtle, small uh, John Sullivan jokes that are peppered throughout the whole episode that do not merit a laugh. Like, it's it's an amusement that you register in your brain, but there is no way you are audibly laughing about it. You're not even given a... <laughs> you, you're just, like, taking it in. And the problem that I have is that when someone like Sullivan, who's doing, I don't know what his average is, one a minute of those, and you've got canned laughter, laughing at it constantly, it, it makes it less funny. Yeah, for sure. It's, 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 not, it's not funny. None of these lines are funny. Like, hi, do you want a tea? No, I'd have a coffee, actually. You know, I'm a bit crazy. Uh, that's, that's not funny. Whatever. Like, just <laughs> just so many so many lines just don't need to have that laughter, and it, and it makes it feel more surreal and so much more contrived. I mean, the whole show is definitely slightly more surreal. Um, there is just a different kind of feel to it, as I said. The, the laughing bothered me more in, in that first episode, but I definitely got used to it as I came to adjust. I don't think I properly laughed out loud at all in the first episode. However, I definitely laughed audibly at least once, if not several times, throughout basically every episode after that. Like, once I'd got the adjustment of the type of comedy and my expectations were set, because that's what stuff... It's all it's all about expectations. And I think that's always why people are going to struggle with um, with prequels, with sequels, spin-offs. If they're not in the exact same system, with the exact same kind of feel, that's just going to be a complete instant deal-breaker for many people. But with this one, one of the reasons I didn't just want to watch an episode or two, and we talked about doing the whole series, is because I feel then we'd give it the chance to breathe and to get ourselves in the right space. And that definitely happened. The, the laughing, okay, while excessive throughout the whole series, was not always a problem. And I uh, I really got used to it. I think I think it took quite a while for this to really find its feet and i don't know if that's because uh it's trying to build up the storyline so i mean we should probably talk about the plot roughly assuming that that some of the people haven't yet watched it so the 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 bare bones of the plot is uh boise has grasped funny enough on the driscoll brothers who are in prison for a long time um 
because they have found out that he they that Boise grasped and they have friends at the top, they've managed to basically get rid of their massively long prison sentence, planning to come out of prison and the rumour is that they're, they're going to go straight for Boise. So the Boyce family up sticks from London and decide to move to Shropshire to basically run a farm. And that's the whole premise. It is the yeah. Boyce's posh people stick up their arse, taken out of their comfort zone and put into this very country bumpkin, bordering Wales sort of uh, feels. And on paper... I think it's a really good premise. I think that Boise and Marlene are good enough characters that you, you could actually do something with that. And I think there's loads of good ingredients here to make a show that that could be funny. The execution of it in terms like there's of... There's a butt coming here, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. The, the ex- this is like kind of piggybacking off the, the building, the storylines. The whole first episode sets that scene, basically. Yeah. So... It takes, for me, like, the, that's kind of the first episode. The second episode, we sort of find our feet in this new place and we meet some of the the staff. They have um, these uh, helpers that happen to come with the farm and we sort of meet some of them. But it's a lot of scene setting and there's no, there's no like, storyline or plots really of the episode apart from just building this world out more and more. And I did struggle with that a little bit. I didn't find it massively interesting, but there there were, there were bits of gold in there and some of it I liked, but generally I kind of just wanted an episode to have a plot from start to finish that, that I was really interested in. It's funny because this is, this is the debate that people have about TV all the time. Now Uh, I I mean, I always hear it a lot about um, like Star Trek and, and stuff like that is a big thing in sci-fi is people like bottle episodes where now TV is more about serialized shows where storylines and plot arcs kind of evolve throughout a series and throughout a whole show run. And and that's what this show does. It's definitely an evolving storyline. Like they catch you up a bit at the start of every episode, but there's definitely a, um, there's definitely arcs and you, you kind of do need to keep up. That element of it I found really interesting just because it was so different. And it does pay off, and I do think it's done well. And I I don't know if that's just John Sullivan wanting to try something different or being that was the remit, it had to be like that. I don't know. But I thought that was really interesting in a way that it just made it differentiate itself from Only Fools that was always, like, problem of the week. This is this is a story, you know? This is a, a long narrative played out over six episodes as a plo- as opposed to six different situations uh, which is much more like modern telly in fact this is is almost seems uh too modern at the time for the, when this came out that was still quite a new concept i was surprised by that element of it yeah i think the problem for me is um and i, I i'm i'm being like because of the whole this is where we are going to be uh, finding our feet. Is I, I I'm not worried about giving the whole game away, but I guess we we're just not working chronologically, so we're we're going to be bashing things and praising things from all over the timeline. But the the introduction of the home help, as they were, so we got three main characters. We've got an old guy, a big middle aged guy, and a woman. Um, should probably tell you their names, but I I don't really remember them. Apart from one of them is called Sparrowhawk. Uh, and and cake and for- cake worthy. Yeah, cake worthy. And the problem the problem that I one. had with those were all three of their characters were stupid. And Tyler's character was stupid. Uh, certainly more so in the first episode. And most of the comedy in the first few episodes is centered around their stupidity and the voices struggling to deal with it. And I found it not only really repetitive, but entirely uninteresting and uh, tiresome. Like it, it was it was it was hard to just watch a show where people are being stupid constantly. 
Do you do you, do you get what I mean? Do yeah, no, I totally do, do get you? what you mean, and, and it's something I'd I'd read online a lot that that was several people's exact, uh, you know, had made the exact same observation. It's it's without doubt a completely fair point. There was things I think that really did make it work for me though, and it's something that many other shows have always done. Is almost every character, bar one exception, which we'll talk more about when he comes up, everyone was likable, and. I I that's what I found on like the third or fourth episode where all the Muppets were being Muppets. I was like, I like them all. I really like them all. I mean, the the, the one that really stood out the most to me of the uh, of the hands has to be um, Brian, who's the uh, the herder. So this guy, I got massive Vince Vaughn vibes because he's big and he's loud and he tells these really elaborate stories and he just goes off on one and i found him very funny and it's his first monologue in in the um i think it's the second episode is probably the best one uh but he has several moments where he does this he just completely goes off on one and uh i i really enjoyed his character as silly as he is, I found him likable and funny. See, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I didn't, I didn't like their characters. I couldn't separate anything else from them apart from just stupidity. Like, just all of the the, the initial dialogues just seemed to be based around that, and I could, I found it hard to then break free of it. But then there was that in that in the first episode, you've got um, uh, Elgin Sparrowhawk. And uh, it might have been Brian or one of the or the or the other guy. Uh, they were almost implying they were playing stupid. Did yeah, you pick that, up on that weird, bit? Because that ca- that that came up and then didn't come up again. Yeah, I would have liked that to have been more of a runner. But I always felt a little bit like they were always deliberately obtuse. But but you can't have them do that for the first episode, really, obviously, where they're stupid as shit, or the second episode, and then them, literally, they almost change character entirely. In that few seconds, They even almost their face expression changes, and they're like, you know, but we don't want people, uh, people, we like people to think we're stupid, or whatever the line is, and they almost look and sort of wink in a in a different expression, like there's an intelligence there. Mm. And you're like, oh, okay, something's afoot. But then they're just stupid for the next four episodes. And it's like, well, what was that like little teaser that never surmounted to anything? There was so much uh, insinuation there and then nothing came of it. Yeah, I would have liked some more there. But I I got something, a level of uh, almost deliberate simplicity from all of them. Like they kind of just enjoyed being simple. And in a way that I found very, very endearing. Um, did you uh, did you look up any of these guys for other things they've been in? The woman, I'm pretty sure I, I, I know from something else. I couldn't remember what it is. That even the the tall Vince Vaughn guy, um, I'm sure I'd seen in something else. But I didn't I didn't do much looking up of. The, the main one that had the most interesting uh, credits for me was actually uh, Elgin Sparrowhawk who oh, right. was the fir- apparently, although I find this unbelievable, but I did triple check, he was the first Crichton on Red Dwarf. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Incredible. It's about 15 years, well, at least a decade before. And he's also, that same character is also the talky toaster in Red Dwarf. No way. Yeah, same guy. I toast, therefore I am. <laughs> maybe it was me read looking that up straight away which is one of the reasons i liked him so much because that that toast is the bomb the problem with elgin sparrowhawk initially uh is that, all, that, that that his first joke is constantly repetitive which is uh the joke is um my name is elgin sparrowhawk and i'm the farm manager which i think he must say at least 30 times yeah i, I found all, episode i think i chuckled a little bit more every single time he did it it's one of those oh. the anti-comedy of it really really got to me in a way that like um I, I felt like you could see it as a shit catchphrase in a really cheap crappy comedy 
that is meant to be kind of the lowest common denominator or I kind of went a level above this in a really like um, pretentious way and almost saw it as like anti-comedy in a way where you repeat something, you say it often enough until it's funny, you then go a little bit further until it's not funny and then eventually it becomes funny again in a very like um, Stuart Lee kind of way, which is definitely giving it too much credit, but that is how I received it. Yeah, see, I I didn't get that at all. For for me, it just became less funny each time, and felt like a like a like a bit of a waste, I guess. Like, I don't know, man. Um, I, I think I was in just the right mood when I was watching this because I, I watched most of it. Uh, I think the first five episodes I watched in a single night because uh, I watched a couple and I was enjoying it. I had nothing else to do, so I just carried on. And uh, I think it just—I think it just accentuated the sort of surrealism for me. So it kind of took me out of the episode a bit more. So it kind of felt—I—I um, I kind of, as far as Only Fools and Horses is concerned, and also now this, I want part of it to be a, a believable place to be in regards to it being belonging in the real world, and when. It's consistently that stupid. For some reason, it it made it feel more like I was watching a show trying to tell me jokes rather than it be a real-life depiction that I was finding funny. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And that was part of what I found I had to get on board with. And when I did, I really enjoyed it. And, I mean, I was kind of going to save this maybe more for the end, but... The thing it reminded me of was less of an Only Fools and Horses style sitcom and more of a Vicar of Dibley or Last of the Summer Wine. You know, these like really classic English comedies that are surreal. You've you've really uh, you've really given the farm away now. I want a green, green grass and a country house in a place where my face ain't known. And if a green, green grass, it'll come to pass We'll have some wind to call our home We'll have some wind to call our home I didn't hate this, and I'm saying this now. I've got a lot of bashing to do about it because it's just how my mind worked, but you've brought up my biggest bugbear, which is this is basically Vicar of Dibley. It sounds like Vicar of Dibley. It looks a bit like Vicar of Dibley. Some of the jokes were like Vicar of Dibley. The characters you could even say sort of just happened to go at the. You got the stern one, who's a bit like that one. You got the stupid one, a bit like. And it was just like because it's also got that country element to it. Mm. I couldn't get Vicar of Dibley out of my head the whole time, and it almost felt like plagiarism for me. Like it was just. Something about it was so close to home on it, but also not as good because Dawn French is obviously amazing. It's funny because comparing it to things like uh, Vicar of Dibley and Last of Summer Wine and a little bit kind of Father Ted as well, I guess, things like that, they're all kind of similar in that way. They all have a lot of crossover. And so I just look at that as a a kind of a genre of this kind of semi-surreal classic English comedy and I didn't see it as just stealing the best bits of that. I just saw it as another way of doing it. I, th- I, mean, I kind of want to break down a little bit into, um, probably go more into our overall thoughts again at the end. And I kind of want to break down more into individual scenes and, and people and stuff. I mean, there was something that I noticed on the very uh, the very first scene, really. And that is, so they've got a new dog, of course, because it's been a long time since Duke. There is a um, a picture of Duke though on the cabinet uh, dresser thing. Did you did you spot that? I did not spot that. Yeah, no. so there's a nice picture of Duke, but then their new dog is a. Um, oh God, you don't really see it after the second episode. What is it? It's is like it? a lab. It's on the last episode. It's like a black dog. Is it a lab? No, or it's, a, it's or a Doberman or a sheep, Rottweiler. Sheep dog. Oh really? Yeah, it's it's one of those. I uh, saw it was black. Yeah, black with with bits of brown, like a Doberman. Oh, right. I think it's a. Doberman, whatever. Anyway, and that is called um, Earl. <laughs> the... Very good. So then, I it made me look up the um, the peerage order because I was like, it's Earl more than Duke. How does it go? So 
Uh, should I tell you, or do you want to guess the orders? What, what's the options? Well, okay, I'll give you the... Uh, well, the first obvious one, you've got king and queen, okay? And okay, then yeah. in no particular order, you've got... I've now got to put them in... I'll do them in alphabetical order, because otherwise I won't be able to randomise them. <laughs> this is just the male. Of course, there are female equivalents. Uh, Baron, Earl, Duke, Marquis, Viscount. Jesus. I mean, Marquis, Viscount and Baron all sound terrible. I wouldn't want any of those titles. <laughs> They're great. Uh, I'm imagining it will be either Viscount or Marquis at the bottom, then Baron, and then up in what seems more obvious. Okay, so you're... Okay, so what's the... The, the, the real kind of money question is what's higher, Duke, the original dog, or Earl, the new dog? I reckon Earl is below Duke. Correct. Yeah, baby. So it goes Baron or Baroness, Viscount, Viscountess, Earl, Countess. Apparently Earl S wasn't a thing. Uh, Marquis. So, so, so it's Viscountess, then Countess. Correct. All right. In the same way, the Viscount is like an Earl. Clearly, Count and Earl are like a regional thing, whatever. And then you've got Marquis, Duke, Prince King. Marquis? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I can't believe that you got that. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to have to put a lot more in jokes that no one else understands as well. And <laughs> Fine by me. Yeah. Do you know, I'm now looking at their dog because I want to know what it is. And I'm really, really quite good with my dog breeds. And I still don't know what it is. I, I'm looking at it and I'm really annoyed that I can't figure out what this breed is. It's uh, It could be a Rottweiler, but it's not. Anyway, I'm not going to get hung up on, on the dog. But it, yeah, it's one of them. Anyway, so yeah, they, I, I'm surprised they didn't go for Marquis. It might have been more amusing. But I get L fits better. Have you heard of that before? Have you ever heard of that before? Yeah, Marquis. I've, I'm aware of it as like a from, uh, you know, uh, costume dramas. You know. No, I don't know. I don't watch costume dramas. Yeah, well, I do, and they you get Marquises come up occasionally. Right. Okay. But I think there are. F- I don't know if there's just fewer Marquises than Dukes, or they're just so kind of mere that no one cares. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly the least common one of all the. Uh, Peerages. I don't. I don't really know what any of this is. Like, what do you get? Like the key to the city? I mean, none like, of it really deal? means anything, quite frankly, anymore. I'm sure. Just means that. you're better than the shit munchers. Yeah, basically, it's just different levels of better. <laughs> oh, you'll you'll notice that spit, nearly spit all of my beer on my new microphone. <laughs> you'll notice that like a sir, a knighthood isn't on this list. Because it doesn't matter what you've done and how well you're celebrated, you'll never be as good as the blood stuff, which is what this stuff is. <laughs> this is yeah. you, no. Doesn't matter what you've done. Were you were you born into it? No. <laughs> right. Okay. This this is all blood stuff. This is all the blood. This is they call it the peerages. The peerage. I don't know. If peerages Jesus. is the plural of peerage. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we've managed to retain the history side of the history podcast that we've always done. You're very welcome. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, there's a couple of things you should probably mention. Um, Denzel does get a really brief uh, in, um, cameo in the first episode. It looks a bit old and doesn't hang around too much. Um, that was did, kind did of you also see him seeing... get confused about quotation marks as well? He just did them in the complete wrong place. No. I can't, I, I, I can't remember the line, but it's in the first five minutes, so it's worth checking out. But he does like a, um, what do you call them? Quotes, quotations, quote marks, yeah, with your hands, right. and he does them like three words late. It just makes no sense whatsoever, <laughs> but it made me chuckle. Um, I did like the fact that uh, throughout the episode, Boise does oh the episodes, Boise does have different sort of wildlife names for his his for Marlene. He calls her my bowl and my weevil and all these sorts of things, which obviously playing into my hands. Did you? Know, I kind of didn't pick up on that at all. I don't think he calls, he calls it like my iguana and stuff like that as well. I, <laughs> I remember know, iguana. Yeah, that's oh. weird. I 
Another thing I, I really enjoyed, this was just in the second episode. So they, they have this big meeting between Boise and, and all the farmhands where they discuss, it's kind of like the idiot's guide to farming. And while it's all obviously played for comedy and there's lots of silly things they say, I kind of feel like it's all probably correct. And I genuinely found it quite interesting. It's like, okay, you have a field. First you get cattle, so they eat the grass. Then you get fertilizers, so then you make crops. I, I found that whole, like, um, you know, Farmville 101 kind of quite, <clears throat> quite interesting, especially the way it was delivered, because this is one of the things that made me like the characters more as well, is they do know what they're talking about. Like They're not complete idiots. They're not just, like, the village idiot. They just have a speciality that is different and very little common sense and clearly no qualms about looking idiots. There's kind of like a very low shame level. Um, mm. And I, I, that was part of what I think I liked about them is that <coughs> they, they had that opportunity and they had several opportunities throughout the series to kind of throw some knowledge down uh, at Boise. Um, we haven't really spoken about Marlene. Uh, Marlene, like some of the other women in John Sullivan's stuff, uh, does sort of bring it back to earth a few times when there's all this sort of craziness going on, yeah. this unbelievability. She's she's quite good at sort of snapping it back to reality. Raquelling it all over the place, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, just mm. really raquelling it. And um, I did did quite like that. I think I do think that Boise and Marlene, there is enough juice there for this series, and clearly there was because it it they made four seasons of it. Though I'm. I am surprised that it went on as long as it did. I'm surprised there was enough intrigue there, not because it necessarily wasn't good enough. It could have been the best show John Sullivan ever writ- wrote, but still, like you're only bringing on legacy, only fools people, really. And I'm surprised that you know the BBC. You're like, yeah, we'll do another season. Yeah, we'll do another season. Like, I'm surprised there was that much uptake on it. Really, it, it's good, but um, it's not like amazing. I'm I'm surprised that it it got renewed so many times. Yeah, I mean, I'd really I'm really curious to see what else was coming out around this time. Like I did so this was 2005 till 2009 and I was I was thinking okay, what else is coming out around this time? Gavin and Stacey, that was 07, so kind of halfway through. That's BBC. Uh The Office had been out a while. That came out 2001 or something ridiculously more right. earlier than everyone remembers. I mean, you, you mentioned Gavin and Stacey there. One of the things that, that I probably thought about the series was, uh, no offence to anyone, but it did feel a bit dated. When you talk about Gavin and Stacey, the sort of modern take on that, and I don't know if it's just because their characters were obviously a lot closer to us and we're watching Boise and Marlene, who are borderline OAPs. Like, I don't know if it's John Sullivan's writing or or the sort of screenplay of, of how it plays out, um, but it, it didn't feel modern. No, I think... Like, it didn't feel modern anyway. No, I, I completely agree. I'd say that's... Uh, when I was kind of comparing it to things, you can only compare it to, to the classics. Uh, the, th- the one thing that I think really set it apart from those classic TV series I mentioned was that um story arcing though which was so modern I, I that just really surprised me i mean that was something that the first thing that i could think of was that's what made me look up gavin and stacy was okay gavin and stacy did that there was always it was a a sitcom that always had story arcs throughout the series um and i can't think of many more that were doing it around that time that feels pretty innovative to me uh in a way that i think is really good so there's that element of it, which is a bit more modern. But yeah, I mean, this is the older characters. You know, John Sullivan is older. They're out in the country. I think it has a much older demographic. There's no doubt oh, about this. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you you remember, if you were an Only Fools and Horses fan in your 20s or 30s, then you are now in your late 40s. You know, coming up 50s and maybe it's kind of just following that audience it the people that that grew up watching animals and horses very young maybe they kind of know that they've lost us and so they're just kind of appealing to the older the older fans yeah for sure i mean that, that's not a bad point i mean like i said you're only retaining really only fools and horses legacy 
people. So to try and create a modern show, you're barking up the wrong tree there. So I guess you're kind of sticking with what works and leaving it to be reasonably familiar, which which makes sense. So let me talk about a couple of things that I did quite like about it, because I have been massively scathing on it. And I didn't hate it, but I found it a lot easier to to find things I didn't like than I did, for whatever reason that might be. But the things I did like about it, so a couple of subtleties, the episodes start and end differently every time. So it's sort of as you get the theme tune in and out, there's sort of a different thing going on. And as small as it might sound that's kind of a nice little tidbit to the episode and and often it kind of just works well as a, as a bookend to the episode so that was quite nice um there's a couple there are some some good jokes in there which i i did actually sort of memorize and laugh at and end up writing down that there's one where they get a their plan is to create a herd of of uh cows and to breed with a bull that's going to come and do some uh some breeding and the bull ends up and someone else's farm and the punchline is excuse me can i have my bull back please that, which was a great line that was one of the best like one liners of the whole series without doubt it's just probably not even one of the ones that made me laugh the most but just in terms of the one i was like nice Nice. Very clever. Very Sullivan. Yeah. Very Sullivan. Like intelligent, great sort of callback and and sort of British cultural joke, which is what he's all about. <laughs> There's a great bit where um, Marlene's talking. I don't know why. I can't remember why, but she suddenly decides after never cooking that she wants to make a blackberry pie because she's a a farmer's wife. And Boyce is like, "I'll oh, go and get some blackberries," and <laughs> and he's annoyed because he. he Go, wants to get him down the shop and she's like don't be stupid they're over there and he's like yeah but they're all stuck on the bloody bushes like <laughs> <laughs> so the thought of him having to put in the effort of actually picking them off bushes i thought was particularly great and there there are some there are some good jokes in there and some good one-liners and they do massively feel like home they they feel like they feel like in that sort of canon area and i gotta give it it's due that that so it, when when you're sitting there thinking oh this is shit this is shit you can't think that when you you like okay that's quite funny <laughs> like it brings you back on side yeah I mean there, there was there was always um, a few chuckles in there like more than enough to keep me interested um, I, I think one of the things that surprised me the most was one of the things I hate about prequels and spin-offs is they are never ever as true to the characters as I think they should be. They so often change them in a way that doesn't really work. It's like, Mm. no, that character you created before wouldn't do that and stuff. And what I found mental about this is I thought, okay, we know a decent amount about Boise and Marlene. They're fairly simple characters, really. I feel like there's only so many ways they're going to react in certain situations and they're probably going to have to change them quite a lot to make this work. But they didn't at all Mm. yet it completely worked which i thought was really clever i didn't think there was necessarily going to be enough in these characters to keep it interesting i thought their reactions to every situation would be the same and quite predictable but it really was was really good and that was obviously partly the writing and, and partly the acting as well i thought they were the same characters that we just had more time with and it worked. And that surprised me. I thought they would cheat because spin-offs and prequels always cheat. Uh, but I, I didn't really feel they did at all. I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, nice. Should we head towards starting to round this up? You've got some things you want to cover? Um, yeah, I want to, I'm, I'll have a couple of my own little moans, shall I? Yeah, go for it. Mm. So, I mean, I guess it's, as you've done all the all the complaining and I've done all the uh, positivity, we should probably switch it up a little bit. There were things I didn't think worked. I thought 
there was one character I really disliked who's the one unlikable character probably the entire show and that was the mad Welsh neighbour Llewellyn Llewellyn yeah see I didn't like him, but I did love him because I just could listen listen to Welsh people talk all day. <laughs> yeah, well, Welsh voices are amazingly intoxicating. But I, I, I just... I going to say, here, you can have a here. I love that, so good. <laughs> I, uh, I, I hated the character. I didn't really like the... I don't know, I didn't really necessarily feel like it worked as a as a conflict. It was a weird nemesis for Boise to have. He's, he... I, I don't know. Something about it just didn't quite work for me. It did, however, finish quite well. Uh, so there's this whole runner towards the end of the series where Tyler falls in love with his teacher. And uh, the, the teacher says, you know, she's only interested in older guys. Now, Boise goes to confront her. And straight away, I was like, well, obviously she's going out with Llewellyn. This is so... T- I was a bit disappointed in John Sullivan. But I was like, this is this is obvious. Um, but they did it quite well. And you see, like, Boise and Llewellyn get in a fight and in a way that was actually great because it was a proper, like, old man fight. And that was actually really well done. And then there was the twist because she wasn't going out with Llewellyn. It was his daughter. And I was like... I didn't see that coming because she said she had an older boyfriend. So when she was living with Llewellyn... Well, as soon as I saw that photo on the side, I knew it was not going to be her partner. It just, it made, it. I thought it was made more sense that she said she was with an older man to Tyler. And I was like, well, then that's Llewellyn. That's a shame they gave that away. Or it's a shame that wasn't done more subtly. And I thought the idea that of her trying to hit on Boise when she's already going out with Llewellyn was kind of perfect for this kind of predictable uh, yin and yang nemesis kind of role. And That's that kind twist... of weird, though. Seeing Boise in that scenario where he's sitting down with basically a pretty attractive 25-year-old teacher, he's trying to force-feed him wine and be all flirty. Like that, that was a world away from anything that I would expect to happen. See, that was one of those scenes which... If you'd have asked me before, how does Boise react in that, based on everything we know about Boise, it would have been really hard for me to kind of imagine it. And the way they did it really worked. And I, mm. I was like, yeah, that, that is Boise. That is how I expect Boise to react. I mean, especially given we've learned throughout this series, it is made very, very plain that Boise has zero interest in his wife physically. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he has become completely... I mean, there's lots of references to him having bits on the side in Only Fools, but in this show, he does almost seem like asexual, and I don't know if that's just for Marlene or just generally he just doesn't care anymore because he's just gotten on a bit and he's just not interested. No, I think they definitely play on the sort of marital problems, but it kind of gets does get uh, wound up in a nice little bow because actually the closing scene of the series is Marlene and Boise actually having a reasonably nice moment and insinuating that there might even be some sex on the cards. So I actually kind of like the ending. Mm. If anything, I'd want to call the last episode, which is kind of what I was worried about doing too early. Throughout the first five episodes, I was not that intrigued. I didn't love it, but I was kind of going along with it and the, the jokes were keeping me going. I really enjoyed the last episode. The last episode was head and shoulders above all of the others. I was really interested in the storyline. I thought Tyler acted brilliantly. There's this... So Tyler becomes obsessed with his teacher and is like having the old goo-goo eyes for his teacher and uh, looking her up and down. And she gives him the cold shoulder and he sort of instantly gives this present that he had for her to this other random girl that literally walks in. That was great. But he suddenly becomes smooth and just manages to execute it really well. And it felt like really good acting because I believed what he was doing. And I really liked that. And I really liked the story arc of that as well. And I just thought that the whole last episode was great in regards to that bow of... So one of the jokes in the last episode is that they're talking about Boise saying to Marlene about I love you and it not and him not saying it and he kind of does say it to a, a hanging up on the phone Marlene because this this girl's trying it on with him and then they sort of end in, end in this bedroom scene and, and actually 
for the whole series in a kind of, I guess, a sleepless in Peckham kind of way. Um, he's managed to bring it all together. And actually, the last episode, I did kind of enjoy it. And it, it, it probably changed my perception of the show. Had episode six not as been as good, I probably would have been even more scathing, I think. I did think the last episode was particularly good as well. That was definitely a standout. There was some there was some quite weird things in there. I guess it there was a, there was a whole runner for the whole middle middle two or three episodes about the gay bull, um, which I didn't like. I just didn't think it was very funny. I didn't think it was handled very delicately. And I don't know the whole thing was just a bit messy, and I was a bit like, "Oh, this feels very dated." I thought that was maybe going to be a bad joke in one episode, and then it continues to be joked about for the next two or three episodes. And I was like, oh, I really wish they'd moved past this gay ball nonsense. I'm really not a fan. And then another kind of, uh, you know, more modern controversial concept comes up about Tyler maybe being a, a cross-dresser because they, um, they discover makeup in his bag. And that was handled better uh, in, a, in a way that I found really interesting. Like Marlene was was trying to be very modern and understanding in a way that I thought really fitted her character and was really good and kind of showed the the growth of the show. Uh, but they still, they didn't overdo it. And these are still characters of their age and time and they reacted appropriately. But I thought that was all handed really well. So that, that was really good. It's just a shame that they kind of leaned on that same ballpark a couple of times, which... Again, like I said earlier, I, and and you just sort of reiterated, if it was that that kind of made it feel a bit dated, mm. I think um, all of the things that Sullivan Cannon has done to sort of have that be an, an overlying theme of three episodes of the first series just feels like a little weak, I think. Yeah, I I, t- I totally agree about that bit because there were other elements of the show that always seem to last just the right amount of time, like the stuff with the teacher. Um, you know, that lasted two episodes and was a bit of a thing, and there was other stuff that kind of would carry over between one episode or two. But yeah, that that stuff with the with the gay ball went on way too long, and it's it's no accident that the kind of I think it's it third and fourth episode that I I kind of made the fewest notes. I was a bit just like, ugh, more gay ball stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there was one thing. It's like I liked how um, Marlene was tidying up for the cleaner, which is like a really classic, like upper middle class thing to do, which has really made me <laughs> chuckle. I've heard so many people talk about that. It's like tidying up for the cleaner gets round. It's like you haven't got time to do all the cleaning yourself, but you don't want to look like a a reprobate. Uh, and then, but then this also comes from the same woman who's like, "Ah, it's gone past ten. I won't have a coffee. I'll have a tequila." It's like fair play. Right, I think it's uh, about time to start to round this up, what do you reckon? Yeah, let's do that. So there's a couple of things that... We, we, we had very little communication before starting this, but the, the one of the things we thought would be good, especially if we're watching a series, is to give an opinion on whether we want to watch it again and sort of playing into our hand, which is a double joke of uh, of some sort of poker theme. Uh, will we fold it? Are we done? Don't want to see any more. Opinions are, are done. Will we twist? Not quite sure. Want to see it a bit more and, and formulate opinion? Or are we doubling down? Are we putting all the chips in? Are we all in? And are, are we loving it? So what is your thoughts on Green Green Grass? I, to be honest, would happily watch more. I'm very intrigued to see where these characters go and would like... Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think seeing that this is a show that allows characters to evolve and change in a way that is interesting, then, yeah, it makes me want to see where it's going. So... Sounds like a twist. Yeah, it is. You're not sh- you're not putting your house on it, but... You want to see a bit more? Yeah, I need another card, you know? (laughs) Nice. Are you going to, actually? Are you going to watch some more? Um, It sounds like you don't want to. Is that fair? Uh, Do you know, I I think 
that I want to watch a bit more and I think the reason it's just the silliest reason is loyalty. <laughs> I feel I feel so loyal to the canon and knowing what Sullivan is capable of, I enjoyed enough of it that I think there is some potential there. So I would give it a little bit more chance. Not, I wouldn't say begrudgingly, but ju- just enough. It is right on the edge. I, I, will, I will see another card just. Um, it wasn't horrible. I'm not instant folding. That's that that that's clear. I think. I mean, when we were looking at the length of episodes and stuff, and I saw there was a Christmas special at 45 minutes, I thought, okay, well, if we really like the first series, maybe then we'll do like a like an old school format um, episode review on that Christmas special. I don't want to do that. Um, I I was thinking exactly the same thing before we sat down, actually. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to do that. If it was really good, I would be like, oh, fuck it, maybe we'll do a one episode special, but it's not that good. No, I, I don't think, I think I'd like to see more of it because part of what makes the show, in, I, part of what makes the show interesting is that evolution over time and over multiple episodes, things don't get wrapped up so neatly in little bows at the end of each episode, which makes it quite difficult to kind of really break down singular episodes. I, I don't think this show would fit our old format, even if we tried. Uh, I just, I don't think it, it really works. The Christmas special might, because I imagine that will have one giant story in it, uh, being a Christmas special. But I would definitely watch the Christmas special and another series. I think that's a good decider, actually. I think that the Christmas special, knowing what Sullivan can do with 45 minutes, I think that that if I'm on the fence, I think that could be enough for me to then decide whether I'm watching series two or watch, or or actually if I'm done with it. If if that was weak, I think it'd be quite hard to then dip into another series and and go for it. Ooh, interesting. No pressure. No pressure at all. Um, well, I mean, if you want, we can do that. We can watch the Christmas special, and if we don't like it, and you don't want to watch more, then we will announce at a future date a different show. And we just will never... Nah, I don't want to do another podcast episode on it. I know that much. You definitely don't want to do another podcast. You don't want to watch another series nah. and talk about it? I, I, I'm i happy to like come back to it at a later date, like watch the Christmas special, and then if I enjoy that enough, watch series two, and then maybe further down the line, like revisit it. But um, I, I'd rather stick to our sort of idea of doing different things in snippets. It's not that good. Fair enough. But but would I recommend people to watch it, or would you recommend people to watch it? I would, yeah. I would recommend watching lots of it, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> but I'm, but then this is normal. Like people forget everything that's good takes time. Like mm. Only Fools did not do well after the first series at all. You know, Blackadder's first series was a complete flop. Like lots of things are kind of crap the first time, and it does take some time to to figure these things out. And so I think if you, you know, if you watch a lot of telly and you watch a lot of repeats and you've got plenty of time in your hands, uh, I think, you know, instead of watching something you've watched before and sitting down and watching this, it feels enough like home that you don't feel like you have to pay crazy amounts of attention and, and stuff, but you will have to just adjust yourself and you might be a bit meh after an episode or two, but I think, getting through the series is well worth it and you might find yourself then therefore watching more of it and then suddenly hello you've suddenly got what 10 12 hours uh, of new comedy in your in your arsenal of stuff to enjoy it's definitely something that i would i i could and would put on as like a not paying 100 percent attention to sort of in the background kind of thing you know when you're you're doing dinner or tidying or whatever you might be or you're on your laptop like your mind's not 100% in the game I sort of a lot of time I re-watch things so like I recently re-watched like Red Dwarf and Peep Show and stuff and it doesn't need like 100% of my concentration uh, I don't think that even if you haven't seen this before I think you could enjoy it without 100% of your com- con- uh, concentration so like if you're on the fence about it maybe just maybe just like dip your toe in the water and see what you feel 
there's some good stuff there and if if you're a, a massive only fools and horses fan then then chances are you will come away better for the experience than than worse yeah definitely chuck it on while you're making dinner or eating dinner or or whatever i think overall i'm not surprised at the general kind of opinion you had i feel like if i'd watched it on a different day i would have come down on that exact same side of the fence but i think this just caught me at just the right time for me to kind of give it the air it needed to breathe and there was a there was a lot of good stuff in there more than i expected i thought the characters all of them except Llewellyn, were very likable and that goes a long way with me just having likable characters is I, I am really surprised at how much you like them i'm not gonna lie but yeah but that's fine i think i think maybe i was just, i was a lot more lethargic and a little bit restless when i watched it and i think that that those characters rubbed me the wrong way so I, it's clear that i started off in a bad place and got better so maybe it's just my mood <laughs> I, I think mood is massive with stuff like this i think i was in an incredibly chilled place and was just chilling chucked it on without the pressure of having to write lots of notes, very genuinely curious, quite low expectations, and uh, ended up, you know, enjoying it. I, I I will watch more, for sure. Nice. So, uh, unlike the next episode, sort of finale, we do need to decide what we're watching. I did... I did have an idea to have a discussion of this off mic before we started, but Bobby Bobby wanted to do it on mic, but then has just said he's got no idea what we're doing. So <laughs> I don't know what you're planning to bring to this party with no, nothing up your sleeve. Oh no, I'm going to bring absolutely nothing but a um, an honest and original reaction for our for our dear listeners. So, did you have any thoughts? Yeah, I had one. Oh, good. Let's hope it's good. I thought it I thought it was immediately obvious of what what it was and I just assumed that we'd probably go in with exactly the same thought. Well, I mean there's one that's come to my mind and I'm assuming it's going to be that. Probably is that. Yeah, it's a good night sweetheart. It is good night sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is very much the obvious one. This is the next tangential same time period features a major a character, but it will be the first thing we watch that doesn't contain uh only falls character in it yeah so i mean what i'm looking to do or what we are looking to do or hoping to do is kind of look to dip into the only falls remit and have some tangential stuff but also looking to pivot to a sort of wider breadth so i was thinking goodnight sweetheart is is a great place probably the first series again i i would like to touch on something that david jason's been in a lot earlier um open all hours comes to mind that's obviously a bit of a time piece as well that's that's pretty old school um but then maybe it will sort of mature and develop from something else from there i've got a couple of ideas up the sleeve which i mean tangential doesn't even really cover the 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 pivot to to them but i just like the idea of the freedom for it so no holds barred for me yeah i think there's definitely every chance that uh you know, if we keep moving and changing, we're going to end up just generally doing some British comedy stuff that's nothing to do with any fools. We then might look at some feature length stuff and and who knows where we're going to find ourselves. Uh, but I think I like the way we're kind of slowly kind of branching out from our, from our, our original trunk. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a sort of farewell love letter, isn't it? We're like we're like slowly peeling off the band aid rather than than ripping it off, as it were. Like, but but most importantly, like uh, we we'd love all the listen support that we've had and all of the intrigue and 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 the chats and always thankful for it. Um, and but I'm keen to to keep this passion and and talk about some stuff that I love and that we love and that we're interested in. So, um yeah feel free to to stick with us for some real random stuff but it's i think it's going to be a bit of a a summary of things that are on my mind and stuff that i want to get into and have a chat about so hopefully you stick around for some of the ride okay so that is decided we'll be watching the first six episodes of series one of goodnight sweetheart uh, we have just had a little quick look into it it seems like it's available to stream 
on Acorn TV, which is a um, a streaming platform I am as yet unaware of. Uh, but we will have a look, and uh, hopefully that's available. With uh, Green Green Grass, for anyone curious, uh, we could not find it anywhere available online for streaming, and so we actually simply just had to buy the DVDs. Um, they're a yeah, pretty reasonable price, about 20 quid for the entire run of the show. I think uh, I, I feel okay that that's uh, maybe, a, maybe a little tiny percentage of that is going to... Um, uh, our good friend John Sullivan Fund. Yeah, the John Sullivan Fund. Well, I'm I'm hope some of it will go to to John Chalice and um, Sue Holdness. Yeah, bit of a nightmare that. Um, I should have mentioned that a bit earlier, but it is pretty hard to find uh, absolutely anywhere. But hopefully, better luck with the gift that sweetheart. If Acorn TV doesn't work out, then we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be uh, buying that one as well. <laughs> this is going to get expensive, but we might have to think about that for the uh, the next choice because uh, for whatever reason in bloody modern 2021, some things do seem quite hard to come across. They really do. It, it, that may be the reason we have to start getting more um, experimental with the things we watch simply because of what's available on streaming services. And we, we do want people to be able to follow along if and when they, they wish. So... Uh, we'll we'll definitely take that into consideration in the future. So uh, I feel like with the ever-changing episodic or our episodic nature that uh, maybe the outro music will be taken out of my hands and we just play the intro and or outro music to what we've just listened to, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think that sounds reasonable. I think given the fact that we've... uh... You know, forked out nine fifty quid between us to be able to watch the show. I don't think anyone's going to mind us uh, dropping the soundtrack. So um, yeah, that seems appropriate. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again as we refind our feet to some new formats. But looking forward to another show next month and uh, whatever we're going to get our teeth into. Hope you enjoyed it. It's a pleasure as always, Bob. It was a pleasure, Jamie. Thank you very much, everyone. I hope to see you again next month. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, forward slash OnlyFoolsBrothers, or on Twitter, we're at OnlyFoolsBros. Or if you want to send us a longer message, you can email us at OnlyFoolsBrothers at gmail.com. Also really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye.